Well, hello. Oh, wow. I really yelled that. Hello, and welcome to episode 45 of Brews Less Traveled, the podcast exploring the best uncharted craft beer cities across the United States. I'm Brian. I'm your host. Welcome back. This is a new month, and that means we've got a new city to featured, which also means new breweries, new beers, and a new co-host. So please join me in welcoming my longtime colleague, friend, and fellow Pittsburgh resident, Eric Lutz. How's it going, Eric? Good. I, hello, everyone. I'm so excited to to be back. Um, I was on the show last July, I think, maybe last June, and I really got to know some people that were watching the the live stream, the live chat that way. And if you are still watching, just know that I do still have my McDonald's glasses, although most of them have been broken at this point. This is the last surviving McDonald's glass, but I, I am very excited to at least be back here and try out some of these Des Moines beers. I don't know much about Des Moines, so I'm really hoping that to learn a lot more um, over the next few weeks. I'm very excited for a lot of these, and it sucks that they have to just live in my fridge and wait to do these because I want to try them all like right away. H how you been, Brian? I've, uh, I'm doing very, very well. Uh, Good. My uh, young daughter just turned two this week, so we had congratulations. Uh, it's been great. Um, excited to drink beers. I yeah. uh, am really excited for this as well. Excited to have you here. Uh, if you are a longtime subscriber, you'll remember Eric was with us for our second month when we featured a uh, a really really great city, amazing city, yeah. uh, <laughs> one of the best they PA. say. <laughs> yeah, they're saying episode, it's one of the best. From six episode six to nine, Eric was our co-host uh, when we featured Pittsburgh. Yeah, welcome back, Eric. And I feel like people should know. So I mean, just as far as my background and your and our background together, uh, I mean, Brian and I have been working together here under the City Brew Tours Unboxed uh, Bruvana Umbrella uh, since 2018, and you know we were running in-person tours, and for a year it was. You and I did 90% of them. Now, shout out to other Eric. I don't want to... Other Eric, yes. Yeah. Don't want to forget about other Eric. But other Eric le legitimately lived 200 miles away and would come <laughs> yes. in once a week. He's a madman. But yeah, so I meant you and I just ran ran the show here for a long time. And then I meant since then, I've uh, been working at a homebrew supply store for better part of two years. Yes, uh, I, mooched, I believe I've mooched off of your uh, employee yes. discount there a couple times. You most certainly have. Um, this is totally fine. Just recently became a, a level one Cicerone, uh, uh, the beer server uh, level one this past summer. Nice. And was working as a as a brewer at a very small um, brewery here that makes um, ciders and meads. Yes. So that unfortunately just shut down due to some personal reasons, but that just shut down. I do have something lined up in the works. I just don't want to give it away just yet until all of the, uh, you know, all, all the, the T's are crossed and I's are dotted, but uh, there is something in the works with me at another brewery here soon. Well, that's good to I, hear. I, yes. Uh, I, sorry, I've just been eyeing up this, this Farmer John's because I, I'm so excited <laughs> to drink this one and talk about these beers. Have you mentioned uh, what, what city we're going to do yet? Did I just ignore that? I have not gotten that far yet, so okay. let me rush. Right, great. Let's rush through. Yes. Uh, let's get through this part of the outline <laughs> so we can drink some beers. Sure, definitely. Uh, so, welcome back uh, to all of our subscribers, and a special shout out to our new subscribers for April. How Ian's doing? We just wrapped up Omaha, Nebraska, and you know we're headed east for our next city. It's going to be Des Moines, Iowa. 
Uh, you know, I've learned just from the, the past 20 minutes here, I'm looking at these beers. I'm going to have a hard time not saying the S in Des Moines. When I see it written, I want to say Des Moines. And I mm-hmm. know that's wrong. And don't yell at me. I know I'm trying. But when I see it written out, I'm like, oh, that S is just calling my name. But today, our first brewery, Des Moines Brewery, Confluence Brewing Company, we're going to be drinking their Farmer John's Multigrain Ale, uh, which is probably the one I'm most excited for. So I'm so glad we're drinking that one first. And we're going to be drinking the the Des Moines IPA. We'll be joined by Josh Maxson, the production manager at Confluence. So he's going to tell us a little bit about their their process, their philosophy, everything about them. It, it'll be great. Yeah, really, really excited to talk to Josh. I visited Des Moines back in February. Um, on a very, very cold day. It was like 12 degrees when I was there. Um, <laughs> actually, on the same trip that I went to Omaha. So I'm excited to let the cat out of the bag and, and talk about Des Moines and be able to talk about the full trip. But didn't tell you, I mean, you said very cold, but didn't you tell me that people were still just like hanging out in the patio? Like maybe 12 degrees is like a like a Des Moines 40 degrees, you know? It poss- yeah, I, I guess they're, they're used to it. They uh, When I went to Confluence, it was my first stop. Uh, when I got to Des Moines, mm. when I went to Confluence, they were having their frozen firkin fest, which they were serving a bunch of firkins, which, uh, if you didn't know, is like fresh keg conditioned beers, and they're they're often used for experimentation in craft beer. We'll get into it later with Josh, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, there was a bunch of people hanging out on the patio drinking firkin beer, and it it was very very cold. I layered up. I'm from yeah. Pittsburgh. I've been here my whole life. I've dealt with some decently cold winter winters, but I was uh, I was very frigid that day. Um, you got you got a drink to to keep you warm. I think is the is the yes. goal. Yeah, I was I I would have been embarrassed to complain about it when I was there in person, but now that I'm in the comfort of my own office here, I will <laughs> uh, most certainly be complaining on it on this show. So that's right. Um, D- don't be fooled, people that are in the live stream. We're not actually there. These are fake backgrounds. We're in the comfort of our homes here in Pittsburgh. <laughs> do you want to get into this first beer? I was just about to ask. Absolutely. Let's do it. So this everywhere. is one that I, I was actually glad that we have some some notes for it because you don't really see a multi-grain ale. It's definitely not a common one that I that I see a lot. So, I, you know, I think a lot of time we use the the uh the malts as as a backbone especially for these hazy ipas that you know everyone's making these days and you can really play around with the hops but the fact that we're playing around with the malts in in this one i think is an amazing idea just to read off the uh the malts because i want the people to know so there's two row malt there's uh wheat malt rye malt and then there's actually unmalted grains as well there's unmalted oats unmalted corn and rye so i'm very excited to try this one cheers brian cheers i i'm sorry i i, I have to confess i rushed ahead of you and <laughs> how dare you oh you tried some it oh is my God. delicious uh really nice depth of malt character in this beer i don't know if i've wow. already said this five five point seven percent alcohol um 21 ibus so a really definitely a beer designed to showcase those malts and um is doing so uh very much very drinkable but yeah forward i almost need to like think about this a little bit because i i feel so much that i like with ipas i can sort of be like oh i'm getting the 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 grapefruit notes or the citrus notes blah 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 but with with these these all these malts going on 
it's it's harder for me to sort of pinpoint exactly what's going on here with with the rye the corn the oats uh the wheat well, i mean it has a little bit of everything in it but it's blended in this way where it, everything's equal enough there's not i don't think there's one thing that shines through it but they all sort of roll off the palette well enough it's like you know first you start with some of the wheat and you kind of end with maybe a little bit of the corn in the back note wow this is something else very very drinkable though nothing too crazy a little bit of balance from from the hops just at the very end but yeah it's super smooth yeah very smooth i i, I like there's a little bit of that that rye kick rye spiciness yeah. as some people will say just enough yeah it's not shining out it, it blends rightly right into the overall flavor of the beer really really nice uh tasty beer to start things off here I am I am legitimately sad that I only have one of these. Also, I just want to mention this box is cool. By the way, I I don't always get the boxes. These beers are great, but there's a lot of cool stuff in here. Especially, I mean, no offense to Des Moines, I love you. I just don't know much about Des Moines, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. It's maybe not a not a city that's in my in my wheelhouse, so it's not one I'm, I'm thinking of. And they seem like they got a lot going on there. It seems pretty cool. Yeah, shout out to our marketing team. Uh, Taylor, Franny, Ian, Yins are awesome. Uh, put together this awesome one sheet that we always have in the box uh, with the sweet brew map on the back. Check that out. Great. Oh, and there's also a great Confluence sticker in there as right. well as this Confluence flyer. Lots of great inclusions yep. for this uh, box in addition to the number of great beers that are in there. So That's right. Well, I, you know, we've been talking about it long enough. We've been talking about Des Moines. We've been talking about this brewery. I think it's time to actually get our, our guests in here. So again, we have production manager from Confluence, Josh Maxson. Josh, how's it going? Um, good. How are you guys doing? Just trying to make sure I successfully unmuted. It gave me like three error messages there coming in. So. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> yeah, we got you loud and clear. Awesome. So, Josh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having and me. You're welcome. Uh, could you uh, kick us off by giving us uh, your background in beer? How did you get started in beer? Uh, how did you make your way to working at Confluence? And Sure. Uh, so I started in the service industry. Um, I actually wasn't a home brewer. A lot of brewers, the vast majority of brewers, start by home brewing. I home brewed maybe once or twice with some friends' equipment, but uh, uh, was always interested in it, but just like never had the space, uh, you know, live that apartment to apartment life. So I'm mostly in the service industry, slinging a lot of craft beer. Um, I lived in Chicago for a short period of time, about a year and a half uh, near the end of college. And uh, so really fell in love with it there through, that was kind of the period of time when Goose Island fell out of favor, right? And then Revolution and Half Acre kind of made the rise in the city. Yeah. So drank a lot of a lot of great beer out there. Went to some of the early Fobabs uh, out there, which was awesome. And moved back to Des Moines uh, when I graduated. I was in Chicago for a girl. You know, sometimes that doesn't work out. So, <laughs> um, moved back to Des Moines and thought I was maybe going to enter uh, education. And our governor, Brandstad, ended up cutting a bunch of jobs from education the year I graduated. So great. Uh, we, yeah. So I stuck with service <laughs> industry. And I, you know, I found my way to, uh, we have a Belgian beer bar downtown called the Red Monk. It's been around for a long time and it focuses just on Belgian beer. And it's like upstairs above an English pub actually. And uh, it was a really cool place. And uh, so served there for a while or bartended there for a while, but knew 
that I wanted to at least give brewing a shot at some point. Just I just love beer so much. So a Flicks brew house uh, actually location opened up, and a friend of a friend was going to be the head brewer. And it was located in a mall, and he was looking for an assistant brewer. So I applied. I think probably not a lot of, a lot of other people applied because I got the job. <laughs> um, but I was there from the beginning, which was kind of cool uh, that my first job was, you know, like I helped put in the glycol lines and the glycol system and insulate all of that um, to keep the tanks cold and uh, help move the tanks in and get them set up, like particularly the serving tanks. And so did a lot of that. Of course, you know, on a shoestring budget, there were a lot of things that weren't uh, Jerry rigging it. Yeah. 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 Maybe not quite the way, the way you want them. So, uh, you know, like I, I think one of my favorite stories to relate is the hot side brew house was on one side of the mall, like the width of the mall on one side of the width of the mall and the serving tanks are on the other side and up three flights. And so I, I would do, uh, cause they're like above the bar up by the, theaters and then they tucked like the brew house equipment down in like the corner away from where it was at so not thinking that you would have to get the beer right so (laughs) i'd have to i would like our transfer line is like got to be one of the most absurd transfer lines (laughs) Um, but but i'd start the pump down in the brewery to transfer from the fermenter to the serving tank and then i have to like run down back hallways and up three flights of stairs to get to where the serving tanks were um you know to catch it was still pushing Sandy like right before the beer comes out, so I wasn't done the beer down the drain and going to the tanks. And at that time, we only had one pump. I now know that they have two. They have since gotten two since I left there, but uh, they only had one pump at the time. And so I, I would have to carry it that's that same distance if I wanted to go up and clean like the serving vessels versus cleaning the fermenters down below. So I pick the pump up and carry it up, you know, oh a couple God. flights of stairs and down the hallway. And then uh, when we first opened, not everything had gotten done when we needed to start brewing. So for several months, actually, like longer than it should have been, the uh, three-phase socket upstairs wasn't finished like by the serving tank. So if I wanted to clean the tanks up there, I would carry the pump up and I would kill the breaker switch to kill all the power to the serving vessel room. And then I'd take the plug off the end of the pump and then hardwire the three phase into the wall with uh, wiring nuts and then turn the power back on and, and run the pump. So um, those are the, uh, my, that's my amazing. Current, yeah. I, but that's the sort of those, stuff, man. Like, yeah, you know, those are the, the good old days you have to, you have to go through it. To have to get, so, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes think people think that like brewers got it figured out, but you know, sometimes you got to just do, do something like that. Like it's, Whatever it's it crazy. Yeah, it's whatever it takes. Exactly. That's yeah, awesome. That's, brewing is all about uh, cleaning and fixing problems, right? Yeah, like that's, yeah. that's all it is. So, that's yeah. really it, man. Yeah. Well, so it sounds like I mean, you you were really there at the at the foundation, and you were literally, I mean, installing stuff there. And now, you know, you are the the production manager, and and with the the scope of people, you know, sometimes people just think there's a brewery, that's a brewer. You know, can you talk a little bit about what a production manager's roles are in in the brewery? Sure. So, um, kind of a little bit of background on Confluence, just to start to give context. So, about this is year four now of uh, releasing at least one beer 
every single week and often it's more than that. And so our uh, general plan is like last year, we, we released 113 beers in the year. The year before that, we released 104 different beers. Um, I think the first year was like 75, 78 when we were just like, can we, can we release a beer a week? Can we keep up with that? Um, so there's always been something new available in the tap room and in package for the last three years plus. And so my job as production manager is to figure out what those beers are going to be and get them into the schedule and make sure that they come out on time. So it's a lot of planning, but like every brewery job that exists, that's not, you know, for an InBev uh, Budweiser brewery, something like that. Like that's, that's the definition of production manager, but I also... I manage the, the whole production team, obviously, just daily on the floor, like assign the, the daily tasks to get us from point A to point B. Um, I have recipe development. I work with the branding and marketing. Like I write all the copy on the side of the cans, except for like a few that existed before. I think the Farmer Johns I may have tweaked, but didn't write entirely from scratch. So there's just, yeah, a lot of different things, but it's all... The, the bulk of production manager is making sure that we have beers in the pipeline, ready to go, coming out fresh and have a schedule that, you know, our tap room and our sales and distribution staff can work with. Just just a quick qu- uh, follow up, because I know Brian has a question. Um, you had like 104 beers or so. Like what, what what's what's the percentage of new beers that you come out with like every right. year, like new recipes? Yep. Yep. So that's a good question. I would say... Some of it is dependent on your definition of a new recipe. So we write, like we we have seven, we usually release six, seven, maybe eight fruited gozes. It's our, called our wizard series a year, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes we'll repeat one of them straight up from the year before if it was popular, but a lot of times it'll be like seven new or six new um, fruited variants. Now there's not as much to figure out, right? Like we have the base recipe, we know the souring, but you are working with, you know, what's the right dosing rate for this fruit? Where can I source it? Those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So in sure. that, you know, and it, it's it's you know a flavor that maybe people haven't had in the tap room before. So you know, there's there's it kind of depends on your definition. There's those. Uh, we have a rotating hazy series called Extinction Event, and like every time we brew it, it's a different hop combination. But we also tweak the the recipe. I mean, it, it obviously mm-hmm. starts with the same base, mm-hmm. you know, uh, oats and, and wheat that a hazy IPA is going to start with. But we do tweak the malt bill to line up with what we think the new hops that we're putting into it are going to be. So sure. it's not it's not starting from scratch, but it is new, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But then we also have plenty of repeats as well. So I would say we're probably doing somewhere in the neighborhood of like, in, say, out of 100, maybe 30 to 40 of those are from the ground, ground up, brand new recipes, maybe an equal amount, 30, 30-ish or so are those kinds of, you know, like the, the fruited sour or the extinction event or whatever. And then, you know, we have a core, probably like, again, 30 beers. It's probably like a pretty even division between them, just thinking about it. So, um, wow. yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thank you for that. And yeah. that's why you need a production manager because that is yeah, a lot to for keep sure. track of. For sure. It is a lot to keep track of. Yeah. So we talked about it earlier, but the day that I visited was Frozen Furcus Frozen Furkenfest. Yeah. And uh you were serving a a bunch of different variants of of Furkin beer of beers conditioned in Furkin. So like for you and the brewing team, what's the best part about experimenting with those kind of one off fresh beers for you know just let's have fun 
it's getting to do really weird things. It's also nice to be able to turn over, you know, when we're brewing, we don't currently have a pilot system. We are looking at getting one, but the smallest batch of beer we can currently make is, is about 15 barrels. Um, so we have to make 15 barrels at a time. We're at 7,500 barrel year brewery the last, uh, the last few years. I'm hoping to hit 10 K in the next couple of years, but, uh, uh, just, just for scale. So it's, it's, you know, the opportunity to take a five gallon or 10 gallon batch of beer, you know, out of a tank and get to do something that's like too bizarre to do at an amount in which we have to sell 15 barrels of it. Right. So I think we had our big chungus, which is our Scottish ale brewed with Heather and we added Angelica root, which none of us had ever used before, but one of the cellar foremen wanted to use it. And it's supposed to impart like a kind of a celery note. And it definitely did, but in a different way than we expected. expected. And it was actually one of my favorite firkins mm. at the festival. Um, I really liked the way it played with the caramel notes, but it's not something that we tried if it hadn't been, you know, at that small scale. So. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, Angelica root. I'm going to write that down and maybe play around with that myself. That <laughs> sure. sounds, yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, very cool. Let's take a beer break real quick. Okay. So some, some <laughs> facts about Des Moines as we start off the first uh, episode featuring Des Moines this month. It's got a population of around 700,000 people. Uh, so fairly large area for a very large metropolitan area for the the midwest des moines a hot spot for insurance companies and was named by a magazine as the third largest insurance capital in the world uh i did not know that before i went there and then as soon as i got there like i started to see all the signs on the buildings and i was like oh yeah these are all insurance companies and according to 2020 data from the brewers association there are 107 breweries in the state of iowa and we'll be featuring four from des moines and the surrounding area one of them's from ankeny and uh, two of them are from des moines and one is from waukee so iowa has uh, 4.7 breweries per capita is actually the 17th most in the U.S., which I found uh, kind of surprising. That's that's a pretty strong beer scene, you know, in the top 20 for breweries per capita, almost five breweries per person. And uh, does anybody know what state is number one? Eric <laughs> or Josh, if you know that, you could answer. Anybody in the chat? I guess it's Wisconsin. It's probably Wisconsin. I'm not positive. I, I know the answer, so I'm not going to... I, I feel wrong. Oh yeah, you've seen. Sharing. Oh yeah, Eric. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, you've seen that. <laughs> I'm outline. cheating. Anybody in the chat? Uh, Jared. Ah, it's, it's, Jared got yeah. it. Yeah, Jared. It is. Vermont. The answer is Vermont, with 15 breweries per person in the state of Vermont. But there isn't like a lot of people in the state of Vermont. It's basically just like everybody in Burlington. Let's. Uh, well, so can can we figure out the math? If it's like if you're in a room with 20 people, how many of them own a brewery? Like we could <laughs> some we could work backwards that way. <laughs> Do you guys want to drink a drink the second beer here? I've been uh I've been Absolutely. eyeing it up. So this next one is the the Des Moines uh, IPA. Josh, let's talk a little bit about IPAs because I mean Iowa is very center of the state, and of course you got your New England IPAs, you got your West Coast IPAs. Before I even break this one this one open here, can you sort of 
tell me where it came from just as far as like uh, your your mindset and just maybe the taste or anything else that you might think is important yeah so this is our flagship beer this we sell uh more than anything else and according to our sales data uh, as well as uh, scan data it's the one selling craft beer in central iowa wow uh, very nice. cool we, we move a lot of it. We we make about 80 barrels a week and sell 80 barrels a week. So, you know, I was talking about 15 barrels before. So um, we wow. have, have have eight, wow. eight barrel tanks. So this is, this is a beer that you find. If you're in central Iowa, if you're in Des Moines, you'll find this on tap everywhere. It's, it's very popular. It has been around since our inception. It's the brainchild of owner and head brewer, uh, John Martin, uh, who's my boss. And uh, it is a classic IPA. We are very fortunate in the in this world of hazies. We still get to keep our lights on with a a classic. I would say not West Coast. I would say you know maybe maybe outside of the Midwest, people don't call them Midwest IPAs, but we tend to call this Midwest IPA. I would say we think of it, and I probably sound a little arrogant, but we think of it favorably in conjunction with Bell's Two Hearted, which is obviously That's, a fantastic beer. Yeah, That's what immediately came to mind. Yeah. Yes, one hundred percent. Are you, are you drinking one, Josh? Are you? I am actually. I grabbed uh, my oh. every brewer's favorite beer, which is a Pilsner, our Czech Pilsner. Uh, it just came out two weeks ago. It's Pilsner cool. seasons for us, so that's what that's <laughs> what I'm. Doing. I was gonna I was gonna bring that up when uh, we were drinking the farmers. Farmer John's because that has Zaws hops in it, and that's like yeah. the backbone mm-hmm. of a Czech Pilsner, and yep. uh, it, they work very well in there and and tie into that malt. But um, this yeah. this Des Moines IPA is phenomenal. Uh, uh, the this is so well, like the first word that came to my mind was was well rounded. Just yep. like it's it's everything. Someone in the chat just said it's good for for a non IPA drinker. Like this is a kind of beer. Like sometimes you'll go to you know you know those bars where it's like yeah we have a Dogfish Head sixty minute on is our only IPA. Other than that we have your Miller Coors every other thing. I could like see this being there. Like I could see my dad who's a strict Coors Light drinker having this and going, I wouldn't get it all the time, but it's pretty good. You know, we, um, we get a lot of that. You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. perfect. It's an IPA, so it does have that apparent bitterness. It, there is like a little bit of juiciness to it, but it is not, you know, not overwhelming at all. Not nothing like a double crazy IPA or anything like that. You get hit with that sweetness and then it just sort of finishes off with the bitterness. Very very, very quick ride, if you will. Um, and it's it's everything from you you want from an IPA, especially I think the caramel malts definitely add some to it there. It's a little bit darker in color than I think I would I, I, w- I was expecting at first. And that just adds to the sweetness and the sort of well-roundedness. So I congratulate you, but more importantly, I congratulate myself for drinking this right now. <laughs> <laughs> so Josh, you talked a lot about you know, releasing, or you talked, you talked already about releasing new recipes and, and the push to, you know, release these new beers and iterate on other base recipes. But I think what a, a lot of people maybe at home don't realize is, is how there might be some changes year to year, even with a flagship because of, you know, different hop lots and different hops that are available. So could you talk maybe a little bit about what it's like to to not iterate on a flagship but to make it be the same beer every year even if your materials aren't exactly the same every year yeah so des moines ipa is a uh, really 
great example of the sometimes struggle that we go through that. So the base mold, uh, we haven't had to change that. It's always been, you know, two row and um, uh, Simpsons Golden Promise, which is a beautiful base mold for those who know Simpsons Golden Promise is lovely. The base um, but yeah, yeah. And then a little bit of caramel malt, like you guys said, just in the, that kind of classic IPA style. But the malt, so the malt has never been a tremendous challenge. Uh, sometimes with some beers that our cores will get an opportunity to uh, try, like we have a, a, a Citra Blonde Ale that we released in the summer that's quite popular, Southside Citra. And we used to make it with Castle uh, Belgian Pills, and then it became hard to get. And so we had to find a substitute. So we used Dingman's, which is another Belgian Pills. Yeah. And it made it made the beer it made the beer well, it made it nice, but uh, we just were able to get Castle Pills back again from a different supplier from all Europe. So we went back to it. And I think I think the beer is just like just like a, a little bit better. I think the average person when they're drinking it, when you go in, you order, you sit down and you're just just drinking the beer to enjoy it and not really analyzing it, right? Like you might not catch those kind of subtle nuances. Uh, but if you're really sitting sensory, you're really trying to evaluate the beer, especially side by side, you can pick up on them. And uh, Des Moines IPA is a difficult beast because hops absolutely vary lots a lot in year to year, like all the time. Um, yeah. If you're not in Bev or like maybe maybe bells. like Belgium or Bells, right? Um, Sierra Nevada, where you're going out and you're picking your lot every every single year, and you're just like this farm is, is ours. Yeah, first uh, dibs on all the hops. Yeah, right. Exactly. If you're not one of those, like. You like we get to do some lot selection. Um, we have been able to do that recently, so that like helps a little bit uh, in terms of picking the ones that match the flavor profile that we want to continue the consistency of Des Moines IPA. Um, but sometimes it's just about you get a new lot in, and you're you know we do we do sensory every week at Des Moines IPA because of what a significant beer it is to us is a part of that sensory every single week we're always constantly evaluating every single batch we brew it every week so we're evaluating each new package batch and you know how how close is it true to brand and we have uh, several of the brew teams sit around and you know drink it and rate it like how how close it is to brand and when we realize over a course a course of several batches that something is trending in a direction that we don't want it to then we look at the recipe and we look at our ingredients and we evaluate okay uh, i still remember so this this beer is like sea hop heavy right centennial columbus cascade so i remember maybe three four years ago we got a new lot of columbus and, and columbus is definitely like the smallest portion but it's like a hop that hits heavy like in small amounts and uh yeah. we the new one was just like so much danker but it also is like a little more garlicky we had to dial it back and i'm talking in like a 60 barrel batch or an 80 barrel batch when we were brewing at the time like dialing back by like a half a pound in the whole thing and it just it changed the flavor and, and dialed us back in so it, it can be it can be really minor adjustments wow yeah I, yeah that's i don't i don't think people 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 are starting to know like everyday drinkers are starting to recognize hop names and learn a little bit more about hops but i it, it's always amazes me how much variance there is between just different lots of hops yep. in the same year or different just growing them in different areas and in the variance that could happen so it's always cool to to talk about that stuff with brewers yeah, yeah. 
Hey, Josh, I, I do have a question I want to ask, but I also want to share a, a question that's been uh, go, it's been asked in the chat. Who does your your artwork? Um, someone's pointed out that says local artist Vance. I don't know if you want to give any shout outs or if you know anything about that. Yeah. So we kind of do a mix on our cans a little bit. We have a design studio that uh, we're like one of their uh, bigger clients, I think, and they've been with us from the beginning. It's 818 Design Studio here in town, and they're lovely and super talented, and they help design a lot of the labels um, off of whatever our weird branding ideas are. They actually make them come to life. But uh, we also try to routinely use local artists to uh, draw the labels for us, and then, then uh, 818 will take it and put it into label form so that the printer can print it. We can uh, apply it to the can. So, yeah, so Vance is a local Des Moines area artist. The vast majority of our cores, we have five core beer current, beers currently. Three of those cores are each by a different local Des Moines artist. Uh, two of the cores were designed by 818. So Very cool. Uh, hopefully, Very cool. hopefully that answers the question. Absolutely, yeah. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, the Iowa Green Brewery Certificate. Um, I saw it set it on, on the can here. Can you talk a little bit, just, uh, I, we don't have a lot of time, but just talk a little bit about what what they are and if they offered any like guidance on, on what to do and you know how has that changed the production side of things? Yeah, so uh, I'm sure it's not as difficult as getting a certification like that in California, right? Like Iowa's controls are not as stringent as other places. Mm, okay. That's, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, that was actually like kind of a passion project of our office manager and uh, like part-time account, uh, Rebecca Bowen. Uh, she was, she, she's definitely like a greenie, which we love. And she uh, really wanted to see what she could do to get us to be, um, you know, uh, generally a more environmentally aware brewery. Uh, so uh, yeah, there was a lot of feedback from the account. They came in and walked around and were like, here's the things that we look at. Here's what, here's like the first steps you can do, right? So the bronze certification is the beginning. That's kind of just the first step of the journey. Uh, and so we, we were able to do like some of the smaller things that didn't impact us a lot, but you know, a lot of it's like not putting a lot of the yeast down the drain and not, you know, things that would, would be pretty obvious. I think if you, if you thought about it for a while, we kind of took those first steps and then they gave us a list of things to do to get to silver and gold. And that's part of our, our next, one of our next focuses is to see how we can bring and integrate those into production. So it's all a matter of like, you know, trying to be as good as we can while also not making everybody's life miserable by having to jump through a bunch of different hoops in the middle of a 10 hour brew day or whatever. And so, uh, yeah, I think, I think that part of our, uh, brewery, I'm, I'm proud that we have the certification, and uh, I hope that we can continue to be better than we are. Sure. Now. Okay. Awesome. Very cool. It's it's always great when when you can when a brewery is focused on more things than just like producing great beer. Like that's the bottom line. But like if if they can have a focus on like having an impact on their the environment in their local area or having an impact on their community, that's like the the beer plus. Right. Yep. Beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had <laughs> we had a question. Uh, yeah, beer plus. I couldn't get a good <laughs> reference there. Oh man! So we had a uh, question in the chat from Nick. Uh, Farmer John's is a great beer. What he said, we we certainly agree. But is Farmer John a real person? I always just assumed that 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 was just like it is. It's actually so. Oh, uh, John Martin, like I said, the owner, um, head brewer, my boss. His, uh, it's his father. It's homage to his father, who is also John Martin. And um, 
John, John grew up in Imogene, Iowa. Uh, obviously, Iowa is a very agricultural town or agricultural state. And Imogene is a small town uh, to the southwest of us. I hope I got that right. I'm pretty positive. The southwest, John would be mad if I didn't. But um, uh, that's where that's where he grew up uh, on a farm and, you know, uh, has a lot of respect for his father and everything that he did to raise uh, his family of, I think, seven or eight uh kids you know it's a big family and he has a lot of love and passion for uh farming in general because of his background so that farmer john's is an homage to his father and, and to farming in general which is why it's a multi-grain ale it's why it includes so many different grains because he, he kind of just wanted to be like i want to get as much of the bounty of of the earth into a beer as i can so very cool yeah. podcast listeners will remember uh one of last month's beer breaks mentioned that Nebraska grows the third most corn out of uh, states in the United States. Iowa is one of the states that grows more than Nebraska. Corn facts. Yeah. Take that, Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. <take> that. <laughs> uh, so, Josh, one thing that we like to ask all of our guests, you know, we talk a lot about beer, tourism, travel, and stuff like that on this podcast, but what is one thing that you wish Des Moines was more well-known for? Well, always beer right like that's got to be the first that's got to be the first <laughs> you know i don't know if i really want des moines to be more well known for anything in particular uh iowa is always going to be categorized as a flyover state just the nature of our our position and the fact that we're an agricultural uh state and, and not like densely populated and i think a lot of us here are kind of okay with that uh, but what I what I would hear a lot, particularly when I, I worked in the service industry, you know, you were mentioning earlier that this is Des Moines in particular is a an insurance capital, and it is like a lot of the uh, big insurance companies have their office headquarters here, uh, and that's a, a significant portion of our employee base, I, I guess, in Des Moines. But it also means that we have a lot of out of town travelers from the other regions and offices, and they come in and they work you know, in these centralized offices for a couple of days out of the week and then they fly back home on the weekends. Uh, but often as a bartender, you know, up in, up in the Red Monk, if you come out to the Moines, definitely go to the Red Monk. But up there, I would hear the kind of repeated over and over again. I had no idea that Des Moines was kind of a cool town, such a cool town. Uh, and there's like, it's just like fun to hang out in. Uh, I would say Des Moines is kind of, to me, the reason that I'm here is because it's, kind of the perfect size i get to feel like i'm living in like a city in a bustling metropolis like you said seven we're like 700 750,000 people in the, the metro area so they're kind of there's enough people that there's at least one good thing of everything right there's there's for sure a good burger joint there's like a great taco place there's a great you know but it's also small enough that it only takes me 20 25 minutes to get from anywhere to anywhere and I don't have to worry about traffic, you know, those, those kinds of things are, are really nice. They're a really good reason um, to live in the city. Uh, we have amazing beer, amazing food, just kind of a good foodie uh, Midwestern culture in general. And uh, I think people tend to be surprised when they come to the point to, to find that out. That's awesome. I, I I think that Brian and I can relate to that because I think Pittsburgh's a little bit of that small yeah. city, uh, yeah, the, that vibe where you know it's small but there's enough going on and it's easy enough to get around where there's normally something going on. So that's pretty cool. 
it, it this on this all is honestly kind of making me want to go out to des moines sometime one day i'll leave pittsburgh i haven't gone on a vacation in years but one day i'll get out and i'll go to all these cool places <laughs> well i have i have one last question and i'm actually going to sort of um lump it in with a, a question that somebody else is asking in the chat here is self is self-distribution allowed in iowa and I'm supposed to ask where can people find your beers, but really I want to know where can I find more of your beers? Yeah, you bet. So yes, self-distribution <laughs> is allowed. We actually uh, self-distribute all of our beers in addition to distributing for a few other craft breweries. So we're sort of unique in the state. It's that uh, model from, why am I blanking on Stone? So Stone did this for a long time, right? I don't know that they still do, if they still self-distribute in California or not, but they self-distributed there and they also took on a lot of craft breweries that we're looking for somebody to distribute. So we do something similar. We have a whole wing of our business that's just designed to that. And I guess I'll talk for about about it just for a second, just because it's I think it's so important to our business model because it means that everybody that touches our beer all the way to the customer, as well as the people that are cleaning the line and checking up on, you know, beer out of accounts or whatever, those are all people that work for Confluence and that love Confluence beer. And mm -hmm. I think it just helps us uh, maintain a fantastic level of quality and consistency from beginning to end. So yes, it is, it is allowed. We do it. We do more of it than anybody in the state and you can find our beer. Uh, the easiest place to find it is in a Heidi grocery store in the vast majority of the state because they, they carry everybody's everything. We're in the, we're as far east as the quad cities now, Iowa city, Cedar Rapids, Waterloo, obviously through much of central Iowa, and then uh, we're just kind of dipping our toe uh, into Council Bluffs on the west western uh, border. So if you're in the northwest, we're not really there yet. There's not like that's kind of the super low population dense and dense part of the state. And because we self distribute, like we have to have routes. Every every beer that gets distributed by us gets distributed from our brewery in Des Moines that it gets loaded into our van that morning and then taken somewhere. So uh, we have drivers driving across the state, state and then back home um, every single day. They work wow. really hard. But uh, fresh beer. Yeah. How, how yeah. far is how far is is your longest route? Uh, so I think it takes about two and a half, maybe two hours and forty five minutes to get into um, the farthest part of the Quad Cities. So those guys, like they're just starting with a uh, five hour to six hour driving day, and then they still have to hit the stops and like drop the beer off and whatnot so oh, that tends man. to be the guy that does that when he does it it's it's usually like a 10 11 sometimes 12 hour day but at least he he gets short mondays and fridays to make up for it so <laughs> nice yeah <laughs> very cool uh, awesome well thank you so much for for coming on here this is on this has been great i mean i'm loving these beers i'm gonna come out i'm gonna hang out with you and, and we're gonna drink more and talk more great. talk that about beards that's gonna on. be our separate podcast we're just gonna talk about beards <laughs> Cool. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for, for joining us. Uh, thanks for co-hosting. You're so welcome. And of course, uh, thanks to Confluence for the great beers. You can check out more from Confluence at confluencebrewing.com. Uh, you can find more from us at brewvana.com. Josh, anywhere else we should follow for Confluence stuff? I think mostly our Instagram account. I think that's where most of our stuff gets posted. So every single beer we release every week, if you want to see what we're releasing, check out this. At Confluence Brew. Yes, that's right. Thank you. Awesome. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and untapped at Bruvana. 
Check out the Bruvana Beer Club at Bruvana.com to get beers like this shipped to you every month. We'll be back next week with some great beers from our next featured brewery, Exile, uh, another awesome Des Moines brewery. And we'll be joined by two guests from Exile, and we'll be drinking two beers. Two beers, two guests. Symmetry. Uh, Until then, stay safe, be kind, and support your local breweries. Cheers. Cheers, everyone.